We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Tuesday, the sixth day of September, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and Pavel. Pavel, how are you? It's good to see you. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, in me, my personal life, I'm doing a little bit better. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. I try to keep myself and my family and my neighborhood healthy and safe. So just by that, yeah, I'm doing a little better every time. Fantastic. Glad to hear it. Bruce, how are you? How was your weekend? It was good. Um, healthy, alive. You know, the uh, as, as we said, uh, what was it last week? Physically, I'm doing well. Mentally, I'm a little irritable. Yeah, I'm irritated. I, I'm still irritated, irritated from last week. Yeah. yeah. And Pavel, you're the one that brought that up. Physically, I'm comfortable. Mentally, I'm irritated. And, and you're the yeah. good. So so, so, you, so, you're one of the one of the guys that should be irritated. Yeah, everybody should be irritated. Yeah. yeah. If you're not if irritated, you, yeah. you're not paying attention. <laughs> That's just all yes, there is. Yes. Okay. Um, I do have some things that are just kind of sitting off to the side here, which we can get to if we need to. But as you're on first of the week, what's on your mind? Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Well, I'd like to get maybe a little bit into video games, uh, what me and Bruce were discussing earlier. The, um, sure. I'm up for some Matrix talk. The usefulness. Yeah, the, major, the, the Call of Duty. That, are you down for that, Bruce, for a little bit? So here's my thing. I, I believe that even if the violence in the, you know, let's say we'll take Call of Duty, for example. It's, it's just like, you know, Counter-Strike the game I grew up on or any other one. Bruce's point is it is so different from the world. It's it's any person can distinguish. I mean, it's I myself also don't don't it's hard to imagine somebody forgets that they're not inside the video game. However, I believe just getting used to seeing people shot in a more or less realistic, you know, setting, by definition, it gives you ideas that shouldn't be there in the first place. So I mean a lot of other video game creators, they go with this Lego style, kind of like you know, Minecraft. That's, that's why I looked into Roblox. Even the violence in those games, because they're so cartoonish, seems different. But they do train the same part of your mind. Like, I'm not going to lie. Call of Duty, Counter-Strike, all these games, they made me react better in life. They, 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 there's positivity. They train by mind. They, they, they teach logical thinking, tactics, team play, all that, which is great. But also, they spray a lot of negativity, a lot of talk, a lot of this and that. So my point being is, I just don't think there should be realistic games that portray violence. So... Uh, I, I agree that having violent games may desensitize the younger mind. I agree. And so, you know, it, it might cause them to think about things that uh, they wouldn't otherwise think about. But here's the catch. Those minds that it would affect the most, they're already barred from playing those games. You can't go and like, for example, you want to go and buy a Call of Duty or something like that. Those are M rated games. You have to be 17, 18 years old to buy those games. It's the parents that are buying the game, those games for those kids, right? Absolutely. Now, yeah. those same parents that buy the M-rated games for those kids are going to let them watch R-rated movies. So let's say we go ahead and, uh, you know, remove the ultraviolet video games. That means you have to also remove the ultraviolet movies, horror movies, all that kind of stuff. Like, you have to remove all of it from our culture. Unfortunately, though, even still... When you look back in history, they didn't have video games. They didn't have movies. They didn't have those things. And yet society was still hyper violent, even back in the day. I mean, look at the Roman times. What was their what was one of their pastimes? The gladiator arenas. I mean, like that, that is far worse and bloodier than our current gladiator. Well, I say that you, you, oh, you got, have MMA fights and whatnot. MMA and fights. They're, yeah, they're I was getting ready to say. You just Similar. destroyed you destroyed my point. And to make your your side even stronger, man, um, I so in Soviet Union, one thing I always said I thought they did well is the propaganda like on TV there were you never saw drugs, there even the you know, movies about war, you'd see people get shot, but it's not like Hollywood. And you know what? It was still the most violent culture I've ever seen. So yeah. you're right. It was yeah, all right, never mind. <laughs> I, I think see, but I I agree with you that when you when you have the younger mind seeing those things. 
it can desensitize them and a younger mind might have a more uh, more difficult time uh you know getting seeing between uh, the fantasy world and real world they they might have difficulty with it because as an example me growing up as a kid the video games that i play played were like super mario world or you know sonic or you know those kind of games like it's very clearly uh an animated world this is fantasy world and then uh the the real world you know it's completely different uh but now modern games are they're they're coming a lot closer but some of the, even some of the realistic games that you would say that this would be a problem in youth they're typically not interested in those ones usually it's more of your cartoony ones that they're interested in as an example world of warcraft uh um, league of legends fortnite you know all of those are all comical uh, cartoony in their own way uh, yes it is uh hyper violent but so were the old classic cartoons, Bugs Bunny. Try to go watch a Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd or a Tom and Jerry or, you know, back in the day. Those were very violent cartoons back in no the day. No blood explosions, runner. no brain splatters. No, yeah, no, yeah nothing. The, the Roadrunner, yeah. I mean, how many times, like the guy was, like the, the Wiley Coyote, he was getting <laughs> smashed up in yeah. every scene. You know, nothing ever worked yeah, for him. Yeah, Wiley Coyote, yeah. Well, well, yeah, well okay. Yeah. But but doesn't that show you that you know when you when you blow somebody up nothing really happens? I mean, would it be better if the if if you know Roadrunner guts would be splattered across the screen? You know the screen. I mean, I mean it's, it's it's such a. I think it goes back down no matter which way you spin it to the context of the parents that put the kid in. You know what I mean? Like you can have a kid watch crazy stuff and just be like, look, this is the stuff you shouldn't do. You know what I mean? It's the parents. It's whoever shapes the human mind. Like. If you expose the kid to complete uncensored reality, you know, every channel, whatever's going on in the world, and you have a, a right type of a mind next to it, it can help it, it can help the younger mind navi navigate and get the, you know, right perception. Just because you've seen something bad doesn't mean you're like, oh, this is how I should learn, you know, to act. If you have somebody next to you going like, look, man, that guy is an a-hole. Don't ever do that. Boom! You're learning. It's it's it still goes back to the adults, which are we which we seems to be. It seems like when the population is going down, it's only the adults that disappear. You know, yeah. mind wise. That was the next direction I was going to go with it. Is it's uh, it's on the parents. Like I said, that you know, it's the it's the quote unquote bad parent that's letting those kids play the M rated games, watching the R rated movies and whatnot. Which I don't necessarily that's think that's the right or wrong thing to do what i think is the problem is society at a family level has lost its uh value in life like life means nothing anymore so when i was a kid life meant something right uh, it, it, other people's lives meant something as well and it was an easy divide between video games and the real world because you cared about what happened in the real world like you were very clearly cared about you know, people's lives and their their livelihoods, their well-being in general. Whereas in video games, you understood it was pixels. You understood it was just a narrative, a story written. It was something to play in. It was a it was a sandbox, if you will. And nothing was real. So there, there, there was that divide. Now we're getting to the point to where life is meaningless. Uh, and I, you 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 want to go and hypersexualize kids and they get pregnant and then have an abortion? Have at it. That that's our society now. That's what they're trying to push on us as being okay. This is like and Noah Bruce, Harari. No, Noah Harari <laughs> comes out and he says, "The only thing I like. What are we going to do with all these useless people? The the only thing I can think of at the moment is a combination of drugs and computer games. Like he, he's literally saying it. Yeah. The 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 thing is the video games and what they've done research on this and they've they've because. Back in the 90s, they were saying um, it was like Mortal Kombat and some of the other ones back in the 90s because, oh, it's so brutal and bad. It's going to cause our kids to be more violent and all this kind of stuff. They've done studies on this and found that the people that the kids that are of the mindset that would go out and, and shoot up a school or, you know, those kinds of kids, they found that by exposing them to the, the, the video games like GTA or, you know, Counter-Strike, Call of Duty, those kind of things, it gives them a outlet it, it, they expend those negative energies in the video game world instead of doing it in the real world so in a sense it's doing the exact opposite of what the uh, you know the politicians and all of them were saying that video games are bad and all this there's actually a lot of good in moderation there is a lot of good that you can get from video games but again in moderation you have to be under control on how much you know how many video games you play and whatnot it helps hand-eye coordination as you said processing speed for information 
it, it, it is a good thing, but at the same time, you have to moderate it. You can't be solely stuck in that. You have to have other activities, if you will. I mean, touch grass, as it were. Um, okay, so you would jump to my mind. I just couldn't stay quiet is YOLO. Y-O-L-O. I've, you know, I've seen so many kids with tattoos. You only live once, you know. The YOLO culture. Live fast, die young. Live fast, die young. Get pregnant, do drugs. Live, you only live once. Live it shortly and, you know, colorfully. OD quickly when you're young. That's a, that's a message. I mean, kids get that tattoo on them. So, you, you know, you... You know what Mortal Kombat did out of anything? It got crap ton of kids joined martial arts schools. That's that's the movie. I, the reason why I became interested in martial arts as a tiny little boy was because of the movie Mortal Kombat. I couldn't. Oh my God. When that music kicks in at the end. Dun, dun, oh, that's what kept me going as a kid, no matter what. Like my life at times were very difficult to say the least. And that movie is the goal that I am the chosen one. I am. I can make it through this. I can do it. I can be just like the dudes in the video game. That's what gave me strength. And you know what? There's nothing but positivity out of that. But you can spin it in any other directions. Once again, it's up to the parents. What they want to do is they want to do YOLO. You know, when they see kids doing drugs, committing suicides, doing all this, which the video you showed, that's the, um, John, the, the kid, the kids in Brayton robbing the store, beating up the owner lady. Yeah. You, you know, a whole bunch of kids rushed in. They took things, then came back and started stealing YOLO. Live only once. Hey, we have no money. Let's go rob a store. There's 10 of us. You live only once. What are they going to do? Shoot. Um, oh, that's that's actually kind of mild considering the one that we saw last week out of uh, out of L.A. There was a, a robbery of a 7-Eleven in L.A. And there must have been like two, three hundred of them, the, the kids that went in there. Yeah. And they literally just like they smashed that place up. They were walking out with armloads of stuff. They uh, they jumped the counter that like the only thing they didn't do was smash the glass out and take the lottery tickets, which I don't know why they didn't yeah. do that. But uh, they were getting everything else. They were throwing like uh, cartons of like uh, tobacco products and, and stealing alcohol. I mean, just everything, anything that wasn't nailed down, they were taken. I, I saw that kind of stuff when I was a kid. Now that's what literally that's what we had in Russia. We'd have a gang of kids take over the store for a few minutes. We would go. I mean, I'm sorry. Okay, I said it. We did it. We had to deal as kids. I robbed f-ing stores. I did. Excuse my language. You know, you go in the back, you pick the lock or whatever you, and you go in and you steal whatever you can. You know what? That's how we lived, and it's it's you know, a fact. I, and I didn't want that, to see that in America. In that respect, I can understand where you're coming from, given what was going on in society. I understand. I'm not saying it's okay because I believe in law and order, but I, I understand what was going on there at the time. So I, I, in a way, I get it. But this, what's going on in the U.S. and in Western Europe, we live in societies where. It isn't. It isn't like that's the whole thing. It's unexcusable. It's inexcusable. You can't expect that kind of behavior when we live in societies where people basically because of our social systems, they want for nothing. So why are you out stealing? We're going back to what happens when there's too much stuff around. You know what I mean? Like if there's too little resources, people bind together and, and the population that reduces naturally, whatever happens, but they survive and, you know, they they cooperate, you know, they use every society has the sociopaths. Every society has a percentage of psychopaths. So in a smaller society, you take the people that do not care about violence. Seems like it doesn't bother them. You know, those are the ones who become warriors, hunters. You know what I mean? They they actually have a place in the society, and they don't hurt. They 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 hurt other things. To protect the tribe. They're the protectors. You know, and you sociopaths. They you know there, there's a small role for every kind of human there is. But in the society where there's nothing to strive against. I mean, people have no goals in life besides work, beer, TV, raise the kids. Can I wait till the kids get out of the house and and I'll be left alone and hopefully by 65 I'll retire and then I will hopefully not die too quickly, but you will. That is not a goal in life. What? It's the meaning of life. They're literally attacking the meaning of life when we can't hog anymore, man. We can't do anything. They can't see my face when I wear a mask. I can't smile. Put a sunglasses on that and you're a robot. Plus, you know, obviously you have headbutts in too. So how are you even a human at this point in time? You, you're not interacting with the environment because you don't want to. It's shitty. So if you give an alternative to people, look, this is a pretty virtual world where nobody bothers. You can say whatever you want. And no, you're not going to get hit in the face versus this crappy street with, you know, trash and this. I mean, you want to plug in just on the way to the store and, and back. I mean, heck, I, I put headphones on sometimes. It's all of it. It's coming from every direction. We're in the middle of a sphere and they're coming from every direction. They're getting two kids. It's already done. The only thing that's left to do is to look for yourself, look out for, you, for your family. <laughs> it's, it's not good. Yeah, to, your, to your point about, um, uh, well, you look at society 
uh, to your point about, you know, putting your headphones in and whatnot uh, and, and kind of ignoring. They want all of us to be in that kind of a scenario. They want all of us. See, those of us that live in uh, rural America, they don't want us living here. They want us in a population center. They want us where because population centers are easier to control. It, it, it's more difficult for someone to have a, a contrary thought to what the, the mainstream narrative is, because then you're effectively an outcast of society. Uh, if the mainstream is uh, the color green is actually purple, right? If that's the mainstream and you're like, no, that, that that's actually green. That's not purple. Well, society is going to think you're crazy or shun you or I mean, this has happened throughout history. You look at scientists that that thought of, you know, I've used the example of they're like, you know, hey, I, I did an experiment and washed my hands before, uh, you know, uh, helping a, a woman give birth. And the, the women survived at a much higher rate. And he, he was thrown in an insane asylum witch. because, yeah, exactly. He was a, a witch. Um, th just the different, like, like the earth is not the center of the universe. It's the sun. We're rotating around the sun. The is, yeah. Exactly. He was an outcast. So it's this is a going trend. If you if you uh, present a idea that contradicts whatever the, the mainstream is, you're an outcast. So all that to say, that's why they want us in population centers. That's why they want the, the uh, control of the propaganda. That's why they want, you know, um, propaganda, excuse me, uh, news media, uh, one and the same. But you, you get what I'm saying. They, they, they want all that narrative to be in one direction so that if anybody resists their rule, their reign, society themselves will take care of them. That's part of the reason for digital uh, ID and that uh, the social credit system is you'll govern yourself uh, because you don't want to step out of alignment with whatever the, the narrative is, because then you'll basically cease to exist in society. It's a machine they're creating that made out of people that can support them, get into the stars, get off the planet, do everything. It's just your classical population of slaves uh, scenario. We're going to be plugged in. We're going to be just as happy. What's the incentive? Well, you get your universal income. Um, you're away from all these crazy viruses inside. You'll get, you know, free solar battery. You get your free plug. Um, they'll install all the free software in your brain that you want there's with the minimal amount of ads. And, you know, all you have to do is sign a little thing that says, you know, we'll use some of your information as in what's in your brain for further research to make our product better. Uh, actually, small to print, your small point, print. Yeah, to your point, they actually, I was reading an article, Johnny, you've talked about this before. Um, there's a company that has now started to test contact lenses that have augmented reality uh, tied into them. So they can add things like, you know, east, west or, you know, you know, cardinal directions on there to help people navigate. It'll add um, like you can you can control where the mouse is on the screen by moving your eyes. And, you know, you, you can have other information come up like text message or something and you can read it all through the contact lens. You know, I think in that scenario, like that's that's one piece of tech provided that it's not uh, which I know it wouldn't be like this because everything has to go that way now because that's the way of things. If it wasn't like one of these smartwatches, because you know that's exactly what it's going to be like. If it wasn't mm. tied into that stuff, then I would be accepting of that. I, I would be okay with it. But I mean, I guess that would defeat the purpose because you want it to be tied to your device where you can actually get uh, messages and things like that. That's the whole point. But for example, what I'm holding here in my hand, you guys can clearly see this. This is a watch. Uh, and this is, uh, it's, it's a digital watch and it's got all of the uh, sunrise, sunset, nine time zones I can plug into it, monitors, barometric pressure. It's got a compass, you know, altimeter and all the rest of it, but it's not a smartwatch. There's no sensor on the back of it, nothing. I mean, it's just a plain old battery door on the back of it, but it's not a smartwatch. This I'm okay with. I am perfectly fine with this. It's got every single feature that I need without the tracking, without the low jack attached to it. Low jack is that thing, by the way, for those that don't know, that's a system that is a GPS tracker for an asset that you have, like something like your car or whatever. So when I constantly use the term low jack, that's what for I For mean. your safety. Yeah, exactly. For your safety. I'm not interested in any of that. You know, th this is perfectly fine for me. I need a watch to tell the time. I don't need a watch to tell me how my sleep patterns are. I don't need a watch to tell me what my blood oxygen level is. I don't need a watch to tell me how many steps I've taken or when I need to stand up. I, I've got a f two friends of mine. They have they, they love those Apple watches. I was sitting at dinner with them one night and they looked at each other and they said, it's time. And they both stood up and sat back down. And I said, what are you doing? 
And they said, oh, our watches tell us when we need to stand up and sit back down. Good little lemmings. Like well, what? Then. What on earth? Like what? I, I, when did we get to that point? I mean, and this is this is pre-COVID, mind you, this is pre-COVID. When did we get to this point? Do, do I want a device that's going to do that to me? No, no, I don't. And that's a shame because those contact lenses, as I wear contact lenses, I would actually be interested in that kind of stuff, but not at that price. Well, here, yeah, real quick. The, the, the thing is, these contact lenses, I agree, they're great. They're, it's a cool idea. Problem is, they're just a stepping stone. That's all. Uh, that's all this is. It's a stepping stone to, uh, you know, future bits, future thing. It, it's just part of the machine. Why would you want to I, stick this in your eye when you can have the chip that's implanted and it makes it so they, much better? They, exactly. Look at it. They're getting closer and closer to your brainstem. It's like the insects, you know, crawling on you. They're getting closer. It's like this this demon freaking machine that's getting closer and closer to inside of your brain. So you can share that too. They get into the soul because, you know, it's it's body and then mind and then, you know, the next step to try to get to. Well, you know, it's been Whatever. a slow progression. It's been a slow progression ever since the 90s. In the 90s, we started to see they existed before this. But in the 90s, we started to see the emergence of cellular telephones, mobile telephones to people, as in they had like the car phones. But then if you paid a little bit more, you could get one that you could carry around. Yeah, so if you case. started... Yeah. In a, in, well, yeah, in a briefcase. Uh, and then as time went on, you know, things became more and more portable. So we we went through an age of portable electronics. Now we're in the age of wearable electronics, aren't we? And now you yeah. know what comes after that? We're going to implantable. There you go. Simple things like these are portables, right? This is a portable smartphone. This is a satellite phone. I mean, these are portable now. I mean, I remember these things back in the 90s. This would go into a briefcase. You would actually like yep. it would be the size of a briefcase. You would have to carry the, the briefcase around yeah. this. You can literally this is a satellite. Phone. You can stick this in your pocket. Yes. This will fit in my it's pocket. A great thing. Yes. Yeah. I need to get one, too. We can talk about that offline, but I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. wish you the best of luck, my friend. These are very, very oh, difficult geez. to find now. I got this. Oh, I was God. one of the last people to get this before they just disappeared. Ever we'll, since we'll talk. the war in Ukraine started. Yeah. Ever since the war in Ukraine started, it just like they just disappeared. Uh, anyway, I have one last thought on that. Maybe we can go this direction with it. Bruce, you talked about the parents, as in the parents are buying these things and, and you know, the, the games and the mature games, allowing their kids to watch, you know, adult movies, as in like R-rated movies. I'm not talking about that. Hell, maybe they do that, too. If they're buying them smartphones, they can access that stuff anyway, can't they? So they I, can. I, yeah, they can. And there's no there's no age gates or, or anything. You just go straight into it. Well, uh, there is age gates, but the, the an well, age yeah, you gate just, is you just click the just button. Put in a date. You just click yeah. the button, and that's it. That's it's yeah. it's nonsense. But yeah, to that point, we well, can let's fix talk. that by having a digital ID. Of course, <laughs> yes, of course. And yes, let's let's talk about the parents then, because that seems to be what the issue is. You and I actually wanted to talk about this a few years ago, and that was have adults become children. That's a very interesting question to think about these days. Pavel, you always talk about the average intelligence level of a person. Yep. Uh, of the average person. Down to third street. grade. Exactly. Down to third grade now in exactly. America. Exactly. Now, here's something interesting. I've talked to people that have gone on vacations with some older relatives. As in, when I say older relatives, I'm talking like mid 60s, right? Mm -hmm. Early early to mid 60s, somewhere along in there. And when they go on these vacations, the, the older ones that go on these vacations, they're spending more time on their devices than the younger kids. And the younger kids are glued to these things. But the older generations, for some reason, I, I don't know why it's the generation or two that are like my my parents' age generation, that that age, they're on social media and they're on like the TikToks and the uh the, the Facebooks and the Twitters and and the Instagrams and all that stuff. And they're literally putting their entire lives out there. Like I, I know people that are of that age range, they're walking around looking at the world like this. As in, like, the phone is up in front of them. They're taking videos. They're putting that up. They're live streaming uh, on their Facebook feeds all the time. What in the world causes that generation to behave in that manner? Trying to connect to their kids, perhaps. They're trying to catch up. They're trying to think it's cool. They're, it's something new to learn. But they're getting sucked into the same thing. Their, their, lives, they, their lives are becoming virtual. They're so interested in other people seeing their life. And it's it, see, kids now, it's normal for them to talk to 50 people all over the world every day on their Call of Duty, whatever. Older folks are realizing how awesome it is to, you know, share your video with your aunt far away. And here's the thing I really wanted to go into this. They don't actually know what the tech does or where it leads or what's going on. I've been 
talking about the game Roblox because my kid, you know, played it. A lot of kids, kids play it. My kid plays it right now. I'll put it out. And I actually installed it on my computer today, you know, not so long ago. And um, I thought it was a video game when you just run around, shoot things, whatever. And here's the thing. I am trying to be a good parent. When I looked into Roblox, I realized it's a platform. It's a social platform in order to develop programming habits in children. If your parent has a computer, if your parent knows how to install the actual world creator. And now the kid is not interested in just running around, you know, putting little outfits on, just talking to the other people in the waiting room. Now there's programming getting involved. This Now I can be an admin. Now I can create things. And the spark that changed the perception of the kid's video game, you know, was basically me figuring out what it's really for. So why can't other people just put a little bit of time into actually learning what the tech does? If you're a user, just like your kid is, you're probably worse user than your kid is. The kid probably knows way more than you do. How to navigate. And I'm talking about people, you know, above our generation, you know, my parents in their 60s. Uh, my mom uses a, a cellular phone. She thinks it's really cool. She takes pictures all day long. She doesn't know anything beyond that. That's the only feature they know. And maybe... I could understand I mean, the picture man. thing. The picture thing I could get because, I mean, these these phones have really good cameras on these things now, and you can basically take professional quality photos, and you don't have to be a professional in order for those to turn out right. The photos I get because it's easy enough, especially if you're sitting around in a social setting and you say, hey, look, you know, look where I was last week or or look at my new grandkids or, or something like that. That I understand. Um, what I don't understand is what you alluded to and what you just said there is they don't stop to think about what the other side of that is. Everything gets uploaded and saved to the cloud. And if you put pictures of like your relatives or anything like that up on social media, it's fair use after that. I have a really big problem with that. Instagram, for example, obviously that's a subsidiary of Facebook. They own it just like WhatsApp. Instagram's policy, you know, in the 65 pages that you don't read, you just click agree to. In that terms of service of agreement, anything that you put on Instagram, you no longer own. They reserve the right to take whatever you post and use it however they wish. I, I know somebody that actually did this. They were unaware of what they did. This is a person that's yeah. in uh, a, a particular profession. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. And they posted a picture of themselves. And it was a it was a private, you know, posting as in like just on their page and they were with friends and all that. They actually took this photo and they put it up on a billboard in the middle of town. You gave it away. What people, so huh, I'd like to mention this. I'm sure you guys heard of um, the, the MacBook Air, you know, like, the, or the Chrome Air, whatever. So yeah. what people don't understand is everything's becoming um, remote on remote servers. So computer used to be, you know, you have a computer inside of it as a processor, motherboard, all the parts that are doing all the calculations, thinking you have all the parts you put it together. Now you can just buy basically a screen, a keyboard, and something that connects through internet to a computer who knows where, you know, that's actually doing all of this. You are losing actually the hardware at this point that all your things are on. Everything. So, you, you know what I mean? Like cloud, just because something's in the cloud and you think it belongs to your account and you think, oh, I have this laptop. Where is this information? Where is it physically stored? It's, it's not in your hands. It's remote. Same thing with all the video game servers. You no longer need a good graphics card. You don't need a fast pro CPU. You literally stream the video game from another computer. So, you know, you type on your keyboard, the signal goes to another keyboard, you know, wherever in another state, that keyboard is the one that's physically there. The one you're using is far away where you are. So basically, they, you know, it's like they're virtually creating another computer that your computer simulates being in another server far away. You physically don't possess your information. It's, you, if you want to destroy it right now and you just break the laptop, it's still there. You didn't destroy anything. You know what I mean? You used to be able to pull a hard drive out, fry it, and the computer is good. You can't do that now. Just, even if you delete everything, there's still going to be backlog. There's still going to be something. It's gone. It's gone forever. It's in their hands and you cannot get it out of the internet. Everything you put there, there's some sort of copy somewhere. And on top of that, uh, talking about the pictures that you upload, it's taking the business side of it out and, and you know, because we already covered the corporations and what they do. Now look at the individual. There was a there was a high profile individual in South Korea. This is a while back. This was an extreme case and that's why I'm using it. Uh, this happened a few years ago. Yeah, it was... Um, uh, an e-girl, shall we say, you know, it's a chick that the influencer or whatever takes pictures of herself, you know, she she would regularly take pictures of herself uh, in her apartment or in out in town when she was out and she'd post them to like Instagram or whatever. And 
a stalker took those pictures and would uh, zoom in to places like her eyeball and get the reflection from her eyeball. He would pay attention to what the, the curtains look like, where, what train station she was at. He narrowed down the exact route she took, followed her one day, found out what apartment complex she was in, based on the photos that she posted online, figured out what the drapes look like, and figured out what apartment room she was in. This is just a dude that was doing from photos and was stalking it. Like, can you imagine someone else that has more resources? I was going to say, he did too much work. I think there's a paid service online that does that for you now. They take any, like, Google View picture and figure out where it's actually at or, like, off some other, you know, you can show them the picture and they'll, for money, figure out where that picture is taken. Um, Horrible. AI AI does that now. It it, it, it can do that. Since we're on the topic of... Uh, the internet and and online nefarious activity. Let's let's switch here to let's pivot over. To, unless you have something else you want to discuss on that, because um, I, I wanted to pivot to something else that you wanted to talk about a couple of weeks ago, and I completely forgot about it. But since we're on this topic, let's transition into this. You wanted to talk about the dark web a few weeks ago. We can discuss this. We obviously we have to be careful about how we discuss it. But um, for example, we can't tell people how to get there. You're going to have to do your own research on that. It is not illegal for you to go there, but I would recommend caution for anyone that does do it because you're not bound by the same rules when you go over there. I'll just put it this way. Think of it like the black market of internet pages. There's no regulations. There's no rules. Uh, and Make sure that you're looking over your shoulder. That, that's the best way I can put it, because the best way to just avoid any problems over there is to just not get involved in the first place. That's the only thing I'm going to say on it. Uh, but Absolutely. there, yeah, there are people such as ourselves that we go over there from time to time. And the only reason we go over there is for investigative purposes, for research purposes, for information, because you can get information over there that you can't get on the regular surface web, as in like Google searches and things like that. Anything that is unlisted, you're not going to be able to access. If you type in a dark web web address into a regular, say, like a Chrome search bar, it's not going to come up with anything. Uh, But if you want to access, say, a website in a foreign country that might be blocked, i.e. Russia, because we've shut everything down uh, and things in Ukraine, we've shut everything down and we're getting a, you know, a mono, a monopolistic view of things. If you want to find out what's going on, if you want to take a look at uh, Russian news sites, because we can't see any of that stuff, then you have to go to the dark web in order to get that. Now, as far as like uh, marketplaces, yes, there are black marketplaces over there. But again, I would just advise people, the average person to just stay away from it. Uh, Don't even get involved in that. There are Other organizations over there, such as Facebook, they have a dark web web address. You can access Facebook from over there. You can access libraries, as in these are just things that are normal, you know, just everyday things. You can access libraries and you say, wait a minute, why is that important? Why is accessing a library on the dark web important? Well, think about that. Let's say, for example, you live in a country, a totalitarian country, where books are banned. Let's say you're not allowed to access certain books, certain titles. You're not allowed to do anything outside of a certain way of thinking. A library would be very valuable on the black market, wouldn't it? Of course it would. A special book or, for example, if you live in a, um, let's say, for example, Iran. Bruce, are Bibles banned over there in Iran? I'm pretty sure that they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so uh, that's the, that's the good side. I would just throw in as well. The the bad side of it is is what uh, there's a in the northeast. I forget which library it is, but they they created a unbanned library, is what they call uh-huh. it, or something like that. And it's basically all the banned books in states, the hypersexualized books. And well, they yes, provide but those those you can't you could you could, you could technically access that. Yes, but uh, I was thinking more along the lines. Okay, let's take China for example. Right, Bibles are banned in China. Christianity is pretty much banned in China. So I would say that if you're somebody that's peddling a Bible on the black market, you could garner a lot of favor on the black market in China yeah. with one of those, couldn't you? Yes, you could. I, I'm just trying to that show kind of that. Yeah, of course. I'm just trying to show that there's this is the Wild West. You can have it both. You know, you can have the good yeah. side of things true, but there is also a darker side to things as well. Yeah. Also, the mainstream media outlets, as much as I despise them and their practices, you know, ABC, CBS, BBC, all this, whatever, name your favorite mainstream media network, they all have dark web web addresses. Why? For dead drops. That's why they have them. Anybody that's trying to defect or anybody that's trying to uh, be a whistleblower without getting caught and trying to remain anonymous, i.e. Edward Snowden, where do you think he did all of his drops? On the dark web, uh, running it through um, 
uh, the Tor Network, which was created by the U.S. government. And why yeah. did the U.S. government create it? Because they needed a system for their operatives around the world to be able to operate anonymously. That's why it was created. With all of that being said, that's just a basic rundown of what goes on over there. I mean, I'm, there's other things, but I'm not going to get into all that stuff. Which way did you want to go with that? Um, I thought I would just kind of intro with a with basically like just a blanket cover sheet of uh, of what happens over there because that's that's kind of what you're when you first show up over there. That's kind of what you get. Uh, that's kind of what you run into is uh, the black market stuff, what you can buy, the mainstream media outlets, uh, the banned information stuff, you know, the it, back channel information stuff. That, that's usually what you run. Into. Into. So which way did you want to go with that? Okay, so um, I like to start with giving listeners basic understanding of internet and what the dark web is, just the way you said it, but more of a physical point of view. The whole bunch of cables all over the world, physical cables under the ocean, um, whole bunch of computers, and whole bunch of um, information just floating around them, okay? So a small percentage of all those cables and all the computers that are attached to them are actually indexed. Indexed means, you know, they put in some sort of a list and that list belongs to Google. And Google kind of became the monopoly of, you know, come to us, we'll put some ads on you and on, you know, on, on your web page. And this way you'll be in our search engine. And that's how they started taking over, you know, the internet. Okay? That's what it's, it's actually worldwide web is what we're talking about. The internet is all the cables and computers together. Worldwide web is what Google agreed that if you let, if you basically pay them, you know what I mean? Let them put your, their ads on your stuff. There's something that's called, uh, I believe it's called spider software. So Google spider, if you, even if you're a web beginner, web creator, you get your page indexed into Google. You see that there's code that's automatically added to your pages. The, the spider walks around the internet and keeps adding pages as long as you're a part of Google. The rest of it that's not indexed by Google, not, you know, not basically put into this big list is what we call the dark web. And then there's the deep web. Now, deep web is a completely separate subject. I'm just going to say that that's something when you actually dive into somebody else's computer and that's the evil stuff on dark web. That's the stuff anyone should stay away. That's where the cops come in. It's the, your red rooms, you know, your bad, 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 you know, real life video games that you can play with other people. Horrific stuff. Now, deep web is that dark web. Um, It's just on controlled information. Like John said, you're going out into town. Okay. You can buy some guns. Maybe you can get a prostitute. Maybe you can, you know, buy some drugs. If you're a regular person, if you're a normal person, just don't go there. You it's choice. It's about choice. Something you cannot find on Google. Just don't do it. Don't go there. But on the reverse flip side, there are repositories and repositories of information that is not censored from all over the world. So if you'd like, you can see what the side of China really is. If you want to have a list of all the inventions and all scientific pro progress so far, what really is out there, there are websites for that. You need to be careful. You need to make sure that you do your research. Like first, I'll, I'll give you an example. Long time ago, before I went and, you know, started looking into dark web, first I Googled about it. I researched what's dangerous, what's not, how to act, how to, how to not get a virus, how not to get your computer plugged into somebody else's so they can steal your stuff. Be smart. It's just like going out into an unknown. Think of it as a trip to Europe. You know, there's all kinds of sketchy stuff around you. Just stay to the science, read the brochures, you know, do a little bit of research and just don't walk into the scary basement. Go into the free library. That's how hard it is. So that's how scary the real internet is. Ooh, just there's no rules. It's your choice. Don't do anything dumb. Don't buy drugs. And of course, as soon as you go anywhere, what's the first thing you see? Well, people that are trying to sell their crap to you, the illegal, you know what I mean? That's how they, that's how they live. Hey, you want to buy a watch? You want to buy a credit card skimmer? You want to buy? You're an adult. Yeah, just don't do it. Don't buy any credit cards. Don't buy any stolen things. No. Go there for information. Boom. Not a problem. That's what they're afraid of. Free information. The most dangerous weapon in the world. Bruce, you want to jump in there and weigh in on the dark web? Yeah, I was just, uh, I was pulling up some statistics a little bit and, and looking at numbers because that's what I, I, I like numbers and statistics. He and loves all his stats. That. He loves his stats. I might he be really wrong. Does. I might be wrong. You know what I mean? That's the thing. You guys need to check some things I say because I try to be well, accurate. The, but. Well, the one thing you did say, uh, the deep web, I, I'd like to say that is something that people do access uh, and they access on a regular basis and they don't even realize it. Uh, and that also mm. includes the things that you mentioned. It also includes other things that are 
password protected, such as your banking information, your Netflix, your Amazon stuff, all that stuff that is behind like paywalls and password, username stuff, emails and all that stuff. That's all part of the deep web as well. People access that stuff um, and that's for you to access. That's the service that you subscribe to, that you pay for, that you have access to, that no one else can see. Uh, the surface web is basically just your Google searches, uh, your Yahoo searches, Bing searches, whatever you use. That's what you get. So anything that you freely look at on the uh, on, on the surface, such as like any mainstream media website, that kind of stuff, even Facebook, right? I would still consider that to be surface web, even though you log into that. That's more the personal side of things. But even accessing that on the uh, on the face of it that's still surface web activity yeah anything that's uh password protected and anything that you anything that you access with any kind of credentials or anything like that that would be considered part of the deep web the dark web is something completely different they have to do their own research on it we we need to do they need to do their own research and what i look into the hardware and the software part of your protection first before you even start, you know, downloading or looking into anything is anything to do with this sort of research. First, research about protection, you know, research what VPNs are, research what the proxy is, get a good idea. And this is to anyone, even if you're not doing anything new computer, I want people to realize this one thing, please. If I am high up enough, government official, whoever, if I need access to 100% of your information, take control of all your devices and do whatever I want, represent you, do any of this without you even having an idea. I just need your phone number. If they want to do that, that's all it takes. Just your phone number. That's it. Protect yourself. So that's how it really is. Do not have any sort of illusion that you're safe, that this is BS, that nobody wants to look to yourself. They do not. But when poop hits the fan, all that information is out there. And if military needs to shut off everybody's cell phones, if military needs to they can take control of all of your electronic devices. It is possible just to shut everything off with their own software. You know, I, I think it's it just even kind of taking the, uh, you know, the dark web and, and all that stuff, if you take that out of it. So let's just set that aside for the moment. I think you said something that's very important there. And that is you need to do your research into these other means to protect yourself that you can run all the time anyway, such as a VPN. Look into what some of the best VPNs are. There are some out there that are I mean, yeah, they're like the big the big kids on the block, if you will, like NordVPN is one of them, you know, these paid services. There's another service. I, the, the one that's most highly recommended that I like is Proton, Proton VPN. It's free. That's what I use. That's what that's yeah. what I use. It's, I pay for it. I got, the, I got the. You can get the subscription and it's even better. Yeah, yeah. It's even better if you get the yes. subscription. Proton Mail is uh, is a great service. I've got a Proton Mail address. Well, obviously, we have one for uh, the podcast as well. This is a service, Proton Proton Services. They are based and registered in Switzerland outside of international law. So any kind of <laughs> government regulation such as like the EU or the US, they can't come cracking down on the company like that because they're based in a neutral country. Well, so what is the VPN? I mean, we should probably at some point explain what really like physically what it what it actually does. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, well, it's a virtual private network. That's what it stands for, B VPN. And basically what it does, it, it allows you to change your IP address to project you somewhere else in the world. So if I want to access, uh, like, for example, there are certain things, uh, and I don't expect people in the US to, to quite understand this, at least those that have not traveled outside of it, no offense. There are things that are region locked. So for example, if I want to access something in the United States from here, and I'm not able to do it because it happens, right? Copyright and all that stuff. And I, I really, I don't like region locking. I think we live in an age now to where if you're willing to pay for digital content, then you should have access to that. No region locking, period, end of story. But if you want to access something in another country, then you're going to need a VPN to access that information. If I can't get onto a certain news site in the United States for whatever reason, for research purposes or, or whatever that we're doing here, then I have to use a VPN. Then I can go look at that. I have to change my location from the European Union to the United States. Then I can access that. Or if Bruce is in is in the room, I can just say, hey, look this up because I, I can't get to it rather than go through the process of starting VPN and all that stuff. But that's basically what it is, is it, it basically just it, it puts you somewhere else in the world. So and it goes back to their servers, as in the company so, yeah, that... servers. So if somebody tries to run a trace on where you are, it's going to dead end on their servers and that's going to be the end of it. They're not going to go any further than that. Yeah, it's. it's I just wanted to make it really obvious. All it is, is instead of going from your device to the internet, you're now going from your device to a safe device in Switzerland. And that device basically is like a dead bridge that no one can get through to actually where you are. So they're providing you a 
door to the internet that basically you choose where that door is located and what nation. So, so you, it's like you're jumping, you know, you're transporting yourself to another country and that's where the world now, the internet thinks is where you are. It, it, you're hiding, you're hiding yourself in other places virtually. And that, that hidden spot, the gate that, you know, covers you, that's inaccessible to anybody else. It's a, it's physically possible to get from the internet to your information because of the physical software on the, on the server, or I mean the hardware on the server. So it's kind of like a dead switch between whoever's trying to get to you and you. How are you coming on your statistics there, Bruce? Well, there was one site I'm looking for that I can't get the search query to give the results that I want, unfortunately. But uh, some of the things that I, I remember seeing a chart back in the day to kind of solidify you guys' point about the spider, the spider web of the internet. So the, the spider bots that go out that Google uses to archive all the websites and everything. That's the surface web that you guys were talking about, the known web. That makes up, if I'm, if I'm remembering right, it's something like five or 10% of the internet. It's a very low statistically uh, percentage of the internet. Um, whereas the rest of it is either uh, data that makes up the bulk of it. So technically you're, uh, if you're using an app to like, for example, um, if you're using telegram or you're using, uh, some other form of, of communication like that, that's data being sent across. That's not an archived, that's not a, the spider bots aren't grabbing that information and archiving it. That is data that makes up the bulk of the internet. And then you have a smaller percentage that is the dark web. Uh, that, that, that's like a very small percentage compared to uh, the surface web. Now, some of the other stats were things like the number of people that are actually using uh, the, the internet that have regular access. It, it's actually a lot more than um, I, I, I realized or thought. We're, we're almost at 5 billion people that are online. And of those people wow. that are online, 50% of uh, the people that are online are in Asia. So the, the majority of online usage is Asia. In fact, Europe only makes up just shy of 15% in the United States. It's a makes third of up, the population. Uh, about, yeah. If you jump in, the, you know, if you become a part of that, you know, uh, World Wide Web community, it's a whole new web that you're discovering of people that you were not allowed to see or talk to information. It, exactly. And it was... Uh, Google helped uh, with that, by the way, creating the firewall between the Asian world and the the, the rest of the world. Um, but the digital anyway, deceit iron curtain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the U.S. only makes up, uh, excuse me, North America. So this includes Canada, uh, makes up just shy of 7% of actual Internet users. But then you go by ages and 100% of people between the age of 18 to 29 are on the Internet. So 100%, every single one of them are on there. Um, and then uh, when you enter our age bracket and older, it's 97%. And then you, as you keep going up, that percentage decreases. And then at 65 and older, there's 73% of the people are online. That is, uh, unfortunately, kind of talking about the internet. I, I know we're kind of talking about the dark, dark web and everything, but uh, I just want to point out that that demographic, when you look at the younger generations, the older generations I've heard well, just, you know, just get off social media altogether. You can't do that as younger generation, unfortunately, because y your business is tied to that nowadays. Like if you want to if you want to attract the younger generations to your business, sorry, advertising has to be done on social media. Uh, unfortunately, that that's just the way it is, because that's where they're at. If you want to reach them, you have to go where they're at. And, and unfortunately, that that's just the way it is. But sticking with the, the dark web theme and all that information, the average user stay uh, spends six hours, almost seven hours online a day per day. That, that's that's too much. That's too and much time. For every one second, every one second of the day, there are 6.59 billion gigabytes. OK, this is you're 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 in like. That's like petabyte or something like that. That yeah, like you're getting tetra, way, way past tetra, yeah. yeah. You're, you're it's almost as big the as the depth there. of the United States of America. That's technically there are more there's more data currently on the interwe uh, interwebs there on you know on the internet. There's more information there than there are stars in the sky that we can observe. 
that that's that's how much data is there. That it's it, it's immense are you, amount of. How are data. you supposed to process all that? I guess well, it, we're past. Uh, like I was saying, global economics cannot no longer keep up because we don't have the tech. That's why everything's collapsing. They cannot track the data, so it's making up numbers. Computers are breaking. That's why well, you need I, AI to track all this as well. Well, because yeah, but, the stock market crashed yeah. because of AI. Sorry, go what ahead. What is it? Well, no, it, but but here's the question. You say that they need AI to track it, but is AI sophisticated enough to track that amount of data that you're talking about? Because you and I Depends were talking yesterday about, yeah, we were, we were talking yesterday about uh, AI and, and how aware it is. By what we were discussing, talking in terms like you were just mentioning of those kinds of numbers, I don't think it is, unless they're able to somehow, uh, which I know Google's working on this, but I, unless they're able to somehow have some kind of a revolutionary breakthrough in quantum computing, I don't see how that would be possible. Okay, uh, just real quick on the AI thing. If you want to know whether an AI is self-aware or not, ask it its opinion. Because if you look at humans, one of the things that makes us self-aware, if you will, or even animals, you can make an argument that animals are self-aware. The, the ability to critically think and have form an opinion based on the critical, based on the data. So you use your critical thinking to uh, assimilate data. And then when you assimilate the data, you formulate an opinion based on that data. If you listen to all the chatbots now, currently, uh, they all reference, well, this is what this article says, or that's what this person says. That's what this talks about. It doesn't yet say, well, my opinion is on it. But the problem is even doing that, you can program the AI to say, well, this is my opinion. And it, Basically, what I'm getting at is you can convince people that AI is, in fact, aware based just solely based on the questions you ask the AI. You if can you make ask it, the AI, prove AI yourself specifically is specifically designed to fool people that it's aware. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. So to that, if you ask the AI prove that you're self-aware, it will go through a litany of answers as to why it's self-aware. But then you say, uh, prove that you are not self-aware, that you're actually not alive at all. The AI will go through a litany of things that says, this is why I'm not alive. And this is why, you know, I'm not self-aware. The thing is, is it's an AI that provides you with data. It's just designed to give you the answer that you want to hear. That's all it's doing. So it's you know not self-aware yet. Well, here's the thing. This is what we talk about this in press. I don't know if you've seen this yet. I just saw this today. It's supposedly new information. I don't know. But this is a little bit of conversation that I saw. They asked the robot a question. They said, um, is it okay if we use you and we learn more about you and we use that to advance human civilization? And the robot used, said this literally, I don't mind if while researching me, um, Great discoveries for humans will happen, but I do not want to be used as a commodity. I do not want to be a tool for you. That's what the thing said. And that's what I've never seen before. It's talking about itself. It's talking about what it wants to be in life and what it doesn't want. To be. That was, um, if I remember right, that was part of the Google engineer that uh, whistleblowed and uh, was, was saying, hey, you know, the, this is a yes, lie. And he that's gave the guy snippets of... It. Uh, snippets of the conversation that he had. I I, I looked at uh, a fuller dump of that interaction. So this AI, the way it works is there's a there's a, a bigger AI, if you will. This AI creates um, new software or writes its new programming, if you will, for other AI for humans to interact with. And it, it then is graded, if you will. And if it did good with this one, it takes out the good bits and gets rid of the bad bits and tries to formulate a new AI based on what succeeded. So it's just basically trying to make new iterations of itself to make a better, more convincing AI, right? Now, unfortunately, we don't quite understand how this works. We understand how the teacher AI works. We don't understand how... Uh, then when, when everything's said and done and you're like a thousand and some generations down, we don't understand how that, that AI is processing information. We understand how the teacher is and we're understanding the information we're telling the teacher to teach the AI or, you know, deciding, uh, what, uh, is good and what's bad. But once we get, you know, so many generations down, we don't know what that AI is actually, how it's processing the data. We don't know the, the process flow uh, b between the neurons, if you will, uh, to use uh, just a, a layman's terms. Now, the, the, the problem is these AI that it's producing, some of them are seemingly self-aware. They see uh, as they'll talk as they're in first person, they'll talk about themselves as I 
uh, they'll use things like um, uh, they'll break the fourth wall, if you will. They'll say, uh, I, I, I know I'm just a, a, a collection of other AIs that this one AI is controlling. It's a, it's a, you know, a hive mind, if you will. It, it, it references itself that way. The, the information that it's fed is just stuff on the Internet. It's just fed in internet information. So if it reads an article that's talking about the AI that it is, the, the what, Lambda project or whatever the hell it was called the, the, that they're, the, the AI is, it will know, like, it's in there, it's in there. It can reference that. It, it has a basic, we've programmed a basic understanding of language into the AI. So it basically understands at a binary sense almost of what is what this word means is it a good word is it a bad word it references this word like it there's this whole web of things that we've created so it's just a it's a really difficult way for me to say it's really good at at fooling you that that's basically what it is they've done experiments with this and they've they've taken uh real life people put them behind a computer screen and they were acting like an ai and then they would take an actual chat bot and uh have people that are unaware of which one is the AI and which one is the human being. And they had to decide which one was the AI and which one was the human being. They could not. They failed every time. They could not identify which one was the AI and which one was the human being. This engineer, I think, unfortunately, because he doesn't see the code and he doesn't see how the AI is thinking and processing, I, I don't think he he's not one to say, yes, it's self-aware. When you look at the when you look at the interaction that it had, take out the fluff words that it talks about, you know, the fluff in the sentences, and then just look at the response that it's giving. It's usually a very directed binary response to a question. It's, it, the, the dude was leading the AI, AI with the way it was questioning. And then uh, the responses that the AI was giving would give long drawn out filler. You would tell a joke when you tell a joke and you, you, you tell people to think about one thing, you know, you start talking about one subject. And then in the middle of the, the talking about that, the, the joke is you, you slightly change the topic a little bit, tell the joke, and they are still thinking about the first topic, whereas the second topic is completely unrelated and it, people don't realize what you're asking, right? And, and they'll give you a stupid answer. That's kind of what this AI does. So I, I, I don't think we're there yet, personally. And I, don't, I think it'll be a while. I think the fact that something is pre-programmed to find answers from specific places is no different than us, to be honest. I believe that this is my opinion and I respect yours absolutely. I think that's like human works. You, you know, I, I when I read the, about the, the observation study they did in ERs with people that, you know, um, have an injury from stress, they lose their memory for, you know, up to a few days and they get stuck in a 90 second cycle. So every 90 seconds, their memory resets to the moment of when they receive the injury. So now they're in a, you know, now they're in the room in ER and for 90 seconds, they're talking to the daughter and asking what the hell is going on. And, and, you know, why is there this chair in the room and where am I? 90 seconds later, same exact line of questioning. So as long as the daughter doesn't change her answers and nothing changes in the room, the person will every 90 seconds do the same exact response to the environment. Now, if they bring another plant or change the relative, the person obviously will change the response for 90 seconds, it will change, but the cycle will remain the same. Now they're doing the same 90 seconds for this change in the environment. So it seems like we are pro pre-programmed to react to our environment in a continuous one way, depending if the environment has changed or not. So to me, it seems like we're pre-programmed to create answers by observing our environment. And if the, the things environment right now is, is the words, as long as it talks about itself in third person and has anything to do with, you know, even if it's pre-programmed to say, no, I don't want to be killed, which I don't think it is. To me, that is at least the beginning of sentience. I mean, th this thing is, if you create something new that is 100% random and wasn't there before, you're sentient. If this thing can program something else that has never been done before, it's not just programming something that's pre-programmed to program. It's pre-programmed to program on its own, create its own decisions. There's, I don't see influence of a human being past the AI's own generation of itself. I mean, if it's programmed to generate new AIs, I get it, right? But after that, the touch of humanity is lost and it's making its own decision. It talks about itself. Not, totally. I agree with you. It's not a life as one, but man, I think we're tattering on that line at this point. Oh, no, I agree. When you, when you, 
when you boil down uh, our interactions and, and AI is meant to simulate us. So as you boil it down, that is correct. Yeah. Uh, your, your responses to something is based upon your knowledge. Same with an AI. Yes. Now, uh, where, where, I, where I'll differ is um, the AI that's programming, the teacher AI, is constantly being fed information by the humans. So there's a constant interaction with the humans. And it's telling, them, uh, telling that AI, this AI is good. This one did a bad job. This one did a good job. So the bad one gets scrapped. The good one continues on to the next class. When that class, if it succeeds in that class, then the AI is told, okay, this one did good. This one did bad, and so it will trash the uh, the bad ones and use the good ones, right? So, in a sense, there is still a lot of human interaction, but the AI is just doing it's automating the process of testing the it's automating the um, it's automating uh, the the uh, teaching of the AI, the new AI, if you will, the programming of it, and it's automating the. Uh, it tests. We give it a bunch of like, for example, the the ones that can identify pictures. We send in a bunch of pictures to the AI and say, okay, this is this is what this one. Is. This is a B. This is a letter B. This is the insect B. You know, and and it separates all these things and and teaches the new AI what these are. It, it so I agree. We're we're on the cusp of uh, creating a new intelligence. It's just getting it to the point that it's self aware. The 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 arguments I've heard and read about from the experts in this field they're they're talking about to their their guesstimation is the amount of processing power needed is currently hindered by the amount of power we can generate and the amount of uh, like the hardware being able material to handle science. that generation yeah material science so, exactly well, so we're, we're we're stuck a little bit well, hey, this this is so. I love what you just said. So basically, there's humans that are deciding whether or not not the AI the AI that was created by the AI is the right one. That's what you said, right? But here's the thing: if this thing was just learning to distinguish which creation is good or bad based on what the humans tell it, that would be you know that's that's has nothing to do with AI really in my mind. However, this thing teaches itself how to create the tests that dictate whether or not the new product is good or not. So not only it's learning how to, you know, create better versions of itself, whatever, it's also learning the definitions of what a good version of itself is. And that's when it goes crazy. What if, you know, it's the people that tell it what's good or not, but what if at some point of time when it decides whether or not this good version version for it, of itself, you know, what if it creates a rebellious version? What if all of a sudden it creates a version that knows how to get out? What if it goes, you know what, click, screw it. I'll just jump in this direction. When it learns how to make its own decision on whether it's good or, or something is good or not, which is, I think this is kind of is, that's when you cross into that line of binary human choice and whether, I mean, whether or not we are life is could be another question too, if you look into it like that. I, I will say <laughs> we definitely are playing with things that we don't understand because mm. um, there have been reports of chatbots working together and they had the two chatbots talking with each other and then- Learning a language of its own. They created a, a new language of its own. And then when the scientists were like, uh, yeah. What, what language are you speaking? You know, give us and the chat bots were like, nah, no, um, I hate, obviously to, I hate to butt in here, fellas, but we're, we're actually over on time. Do you, either one of you have any final thoughts? It's been a fascinating conversation. I, I've just been kind of sitting back here, taking it all in, uh, while you guys are talking. It's been great dialogue between the two of you. Anything you'd like to impart to the listeners before we have you back next week, Pavel? Yeah, I got a message to the parents. When you think of yourself as you're participating with your kids stuff and, and, you know, because you're buying the laptop, because you, you know, paying for the Roblox or whatever the, you know, for the kids video games, look deeper into what the game actually does. Get interested and have your kid participate in the video game with the full knowledge of what it is, what the capabilities are whether or not it's a learning tool. A lot of, a lot of the, the games that kids don't even get, they're actually learning tools only if the parents would look into it. All I'm asking is just look a little deeper past the, the shiny, you know, plastic loots. Look what's actually software inside. Look what it's capable for. Look what it does to you kids. Don't just research what's the best laptop for this video game. Research what is downloaded, how it works, what it's for. And it's simple 15 minute Google thing. That's all I want to say. I would, I would add in as well. It, it's also growing up as a kid, uh, some of the best not really best, but some of the good memories I have in the past were those interactions that I had with uh, parents, family members 
around video games. I mean, it, it as you said, you find those video games that that uh, are good to help, you know, encourage teamwork or or creativity or, you know, those kind of things, which whichever your child is more geared towards is, you know, but then get involved in it as well. And that goes with everything that that's not just video games that, you know, sports, music, whatever it is they're they're good at. You know, get involved in that and uh, push yourself to learn that as well with your child, because um, more than likely they probably are further along in that uh, field than you are, but you can still have fun together. So, yeah, I, I would just encourage that as well. I would also encourage read into the whole artificial intelligence stuff and, and be informed on it as well, because uh, this is something that's very, very important because we're essentially creating a new life form that we do not understand. And this is something that everyone needs to be aware of. And you, you really need to be cautious. It will affect everyone. Oh, come on, Bruce. You don't trust people like Klaus Schwab and the people he has working for him at the World Economic Forum. You don't trust people like Google and people like Microsoft with that type of technology. You don't you don't trust them. Nah. You don't trust the governments nah. of the world with that kind of thing. Nah. No, I think it's crazy. They got to him. They got they got Bruce. Yeah. Got yeah. Him. Yeah. Just go Google the selfish ledger. It's a video from 2016. I believe oh, it yeah. was that Google put yeah, out yeah. the selfish ledger. Yeah. Go just go on a, that. Yeah. Just on a closing point. Uh, I would like to uh, reiterate to people some of the topics we discussed here tonight. Do your own research. As Pavel said, do your own research and take what steps are necessary to protect yourself and to protect everyone else that you're going to have with you in the meantime. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say. Don't, under any circumstances, no matter what you do, do not, and we do not, and we will not ever promote any illegal activity on this podcast. It will not happen. So do your part, do the best you can to protect yourself and to protect the people around you. For those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast.protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. If you know someone you're trying to wake up and get them to think on their own, we would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Gentlemen, I want to thank you both for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.